0: Hello and welcome to this Kaiser Series podcast, an occasional series focusing on the intersection between leadership and human performance. My name is John Porch, I'm the editor at the Leaders Performance Institute and today's guest is Jimmy Wright, a biokineticist with the Durban-based Sharks rugby team. The Sharks compete in the domestic curry cup in South Africa and also take part in the United Rugby Championship with a series of Northern Hemisphere teams. For his part, Jimmy has been with the team for 23 years and seen plenty of change during that time. Jimmy's a great guy, and during the course of our conversation we chatted about creating value for players where physiotherapy meets S&C and why he's often referred to as the team's financial planner. We also discussed Jimmy's belief in Ubuntu. This is a concept defined by the African Journal of Social Work as a collection of values and practices that people of Africa or of African origin, view as making people authentic human beings. While the nuances of these values and practices vary across different ethnic groups, they all point to one thing. An authentic individual human being is part of a larger and more significant relational, communal, societal, environmental, and spiritual world. Ubuntu in many ways informs everything that Jimmy does, and without any further ado, I want to get into the conversation and let you hear that for yourselves. Jimmy, I wanted to kick things off by asking you, do you find that people, whether they be athletes, practitioners, coaches, use biokinetics every day in their day-to-day work, despite not consciously using that term?
1: I think so. You know, I I, I don't know the context of biokinetics in your part of the world, but in our part of the world, it's become a, um, a very uh, um, respected profession. So anybody that goes off and, and see a bio knows exactly why they're doing that. And they also know that they will get quality service. They will see a person with reputable knowledge. And um, so in some form or the other, I think at least in, in, in our country, uh, most people have paid a visit to a bio and uh, have benefited from the service.
0: Right. And in what ways does the work of biokinetics complement the work of the wider multidisciplinary team at the Sharks? I think firstly is just to define the actual exact role because biokinetics is a
1: multifaceted uh, profession. It's been born out of human movement sciences in our country. There is a split between biokinetics and sports science after the third year. And biokinetics becomes a slightly more uh, clinically applied science to, to sports science, for example. But in reality, um, in a sports setting like the stock, the job has evolved from being the rehab guy to being the guy that is running a lot of different things purely because the position sits with a foot in a medical department and it sits with a foot in a strength and conditioning department and it removes the barrier and it removes the seam that there is traditionally been between those two departments physiotherapy and strength and conditioning so um, i've been here for 23 years and luckily we were the first franchises to set ourselves up like this and it's evolved. You know, we, we've, never, um,
0: we've never planned it that way. It just, it just evolved that way. It's remarkable. And what does your day-to-day look like during the season? Every few years do look a bit different. The faces
1: change. But, but I think the, 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 the key thing is the same. You know, the pressure to perform is always there. Again, you know, I think with that comes a bit of experience and maybe a little bit of goodwill that forms when you are in an environment for a long time is that you can push a bit harder. So the day-to-day um, change dependent on what is on offer from, uh, from, from the scientific world. You know, So these days look different from 10 years ago. You know, uh, There's more detail, there's more planning, there's more meetings, there's more schedules, there's more evidence to support what we do. But at the same time, there's more perspective because certain things don't change. And if you purely chase the science, if you purely chase the literature, and you forget about experience and what traditionally have delivered the results, right, you might just miss the the diamonds. But the day-to-day is driven by performance. First and foremost, it is chasing excellence. It's having conversations that drive people
0: towards excellence. So that makes for a wonderful career. Absolutely. And what are some of the rugby-specific challenges in your work? And how do you feel they may differ from other sports?
1: I think part of it fits with uh, rugby tradition, which which is a sport. You know, it, it's a sport of, you know, these days, it's a sport of speed, power, skill, you know, and, and that supports the use of science. But at the same time, it's a sport of guts, character and respect. So um, it's an interesting business. You know, it's chaotic You know, when it comes to on the field and the the challenges in our particular case, it sits with retaining talent. You know, it sits with keeping good staff. It sits with keeping good players. We we do compete with foreign currency. So our players, our staff are quite sought after. So we have to find ways internally to create the value that would make people stay. So um, it's more than just pitching up for practice and pitching up for a game. You know, it's really about getting the Monday to Friday right. We can't work for 365 days of the year to know whether we want two championships. You know, you have to find something else to win in. You know, so you have to, you have to find it in every week. You know, and those challenges are, are not against an opposition. It's not a, not dependent on a referee. It's all dependent on yourself and the process that you're prepared to install. And again, you know, that is what makes it. Such a great industry because ultimately we
0: determine whether we win or lose. And on the testing side, what sort of tests do you run, and do you tend to do those in pre-season or are you continually testing throughout the season as well? We've gone through phases, and and again, you know, so so the chair on which
1: I sit really is head of rehab slash operations manager slash life coach, and with every head of athletic development that we've had in, you know, we've had to change our testing battery. But again, you know, where, where we currently sit with that is that we need to ask questions around why we test and, and what do we want to learn from, from the results. Inherently, we want to make sure that testing doesn't pose an injury risk, you know. So there's no use in having a, a good set of data, but you've got two players out for 12 weeks with, you know, with a petrol tea. So our testing battery has evolved from, from where we've been and where we've learned the hard way. To the point where we look and see what it is that the industry requires and ask questions around how do we develop our players physically so can we repeat a test at the age of 20 can we still repeat that same test for a player that is 30 10 years on how do we you know what are the markers for athletic development what are the markers for athletic decline and how can we influence that with the data that we have so we, we've moved away from high-risk tests. You know, again, you know, a test must never carry risk of injury. So if there's no need to test a 40 metre in a prop forward, you know, if his main job is not to sprint for 30 metres or longer, we won't test the prop forward over 40 metres. You know, we'll test him on 10. Uh, we'll test him on things, you know, uh, where we get an idea of his abilities. If the job is not to lift a maximum weight once off your chest, you know, we're not going to test that. So all of our strength gym room tests have gone the way of of predicting one RM. We we use between three and five RMs for getting to the numbers that we want. The most important thing is for us to be consistent in how we test. If we test a certain way, we always test a certain way. And some players really, really struggle with maintaining a good form under a heavy bar, you know, in a squat, for example. So we find a test that is suitable for that player. As long as we are able to put a number to his low limb strength, And as long as we can repeat that test and track a player's progress. Typically the test we do is is, is the common test, so we do a three rep max on a back squat, we do a three rep max on a bench press, Uh, we use a chest block just to protect the pectoral a little bit, we do a a one rep max neutral grip pull up, we do a one rep max Turkish get up, we do a five rep max Bulgarian split squat, we do a broad jump, we do counter movement jump, Force plate, we do a 10 and a 40 and we run the Bronco. And those are the tests that we use early pre-season. We've got one or two batteries that we use in a watt bike. We try not to make our test battery exhaustive. And we do not test in testing cycles. You know, we test basically in the cycle that our focus is. So if we are on a strength phase, we will test strength. If we are in a speed strength phase, we will do a power test. Counter movement jumps we do weekly. You know, we use it as a as a means of tracking recovery you know and and just generally see where players are but we test in session and we do not we try not to lose training time just for the sake
0: of collecting numbers and given the amount of testing that you do and the amount of data that you collect do you find jimmy that you're able to better challenge preconceptions of what athletes are capable of doing in training and during matches as well yeah, definitely. We we have we've looked at predictive tests for 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 injuries,
1: and we've we've let go of those because we found that certain players who score normal got injured, and then tests who scored high in terms of risk for certain injuries never got injured. Again, you know, it's not chuck the science out of the back door, but it's understanding what science offer you. And in our particular case, we want to use the science and the data to track athletic development. So we want to make sure that our players are getting better at the things they need to get better at. Again, you know, in our country, our players love the gym and some of our players, that will be the go-to place for for work on, whereas that might not be required. You might have a player that needs to do a lot more work under high ball. So we try and get players to change the way they look at their career, the game and what they need and try and move them away from a gym will fix all um, type of mentality. So we use testing for what it is, but it is not
0: the law to which we uh, live And in 2021, you left the Southern Hemisphere Super Rugby Competition, which is competed in by teams from New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, Fiji and the Pacific Islands. And you moved to the United Rugby Championship, which is largely based in the Northern Hemisphere, with teams from Ireland, Scotland, Wales and Italy. And you will spend a lot of your time competing in Europe as opposed to the Southern Hemisphere these days, and your away games in particular you're joined by the lions the stormers and the bulls from south africa as well and i just wondered does this have any impact on your preparations and performance from a biokinetic perspective
1: it hasn't it hasn't changed the way we do things post COVID. it's it's definitely changed the way we we needed to plan and schedule we've with a change in our um in our uh, season we we used to have alternative alternate premiership competitions so we would run Super Rugby from uh, February through to August and then generally uh, roughly about two weeks later we would be starting with the Curry Cup which is our big domestic competition. Post-Covid, uh, Curry Cup was the only championship that we were able to play in so we end up playing that twice a year and then URC for us was, uh, um, was, uh, was a new beginning you know it was uh, um, a refocus it was a breath of fresh air because it was a change in the way we see the game it was new opposition new rugby philosophies and we needed to adapt very quickly to that playing rugby in a different part of the year you know learning how to go to europe playing the cold and this year most probably learning how to play rugby over the holidays so we needed to adapt to those things i would say the the, the big thing that we have learned is that we can not deal with adversity you know so uh, we had other challenges in our country this year, you know, we had two splits of floods in our region in a period of two months. Uh, we had some unrest and uh, to the extent where, where it halted all our operations to a standstill. So in everything we experienced in the past year, we've learned that we are resilient. And that comes through, in a why we, we, we do things day to day.
0: And I was going to ask you, what has been your biggest sporting challenge of the last 12 months? But is it fair to say that it's come away from the rugby pitch? Yeah, that
1: definitely was a um it was a challenge and you know the early days of covid asked questions that we never thought we will have to answer. You know, everybody going home and and looking to see how different sports dealt with the same problem interestingly in very similar ways. The one thing I will never forget and which has taught me until this day is a lesson that I've learned from uh from reading what Winston Churchill said which was never to waste a good crisis. And in a way rugby and sport is really just that, you know, it is dealing with a crisis, although it's on a different level. So that period have, have taught us that we, we can adjust, we can empty the gym, we can set up gyms for players at homes, we can we can train in small bubbles, we can do whatever we need to do to achieve what we need to achieve. So I guess that is the spirit of, of being a sportsman. You'll find a way. And, and I think if you're not an individual that will... Go a long way to find a way, you know.
0: Then this level of sport is must be not for you. And I imagine that the Sharks team values enabled you to bond and align around a common goal, and no doubt you were all on the same page. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't easy, and 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 it wasn't unique to us. You know, it was out
1: there for everybody to to learn from. But it's definitely had learnings, and and that has come through for us in this year in the way we do everything. You know, uh, we, we realized that the, the worst on a pitch is definitely. Still better than the best day for many other people out there and the fact that we shouldn't complain about the at the office i think the key thing is is that we need to learn to learn you know so uh, we have a philosophy that we either win or we learn but then you need to make sure that you learn and not just by lip service but we've learned that and um, the focus that we have monday to friday is on, on growth because that is the one controllable where we don't need an opposition and we don't need a referee. So. If we grow as a franchise in the various areas where we need to grow, right, we'll see that we'll win and we will win more, more often, you know, so, um, and I guess that is sport, you know, any sport that, that's prepared to drill deeper and, and that is prepared to look more at the data, but still to keep an eye on the human, I think that's where you'll find the success. So um, that's where we are. And it's, it's a very exciting journey and, and it is a journey that has to be very, very balanced.
2: Back to the conversation in a moment, but first, a word about our main partners, Kaiser. For over 40 years, Kaiser has been at the cutting edge of the fitness industry. Kaiser's strength products utilise pneumatic technology and dynamic variable resistance, which allows the user to build strength at any speed, and it offers an unrivalled opportunity to work towards any training goal. Kaiser's cardio products are smooth, silent, compact and designed with the user in mind. Built with Bluetooth integrated technology, the simplistic yet striking design offers unmatched user longevity. Simply put, Kaiser Equipment raises the bar in elevating human performance for everyone. If you'd like to hear more, then please get in touch with the leaders team, who will be delighted to introduce you to the right person at Kaiser. Alternatively, visit Kaiser.com to find out more. And now, back to the conversation.
0: And what are some of the ways, Jimmy, that your work enables you to build relationships with coaches and players? Yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity, John. You know, I think it it can never be just a job. You know, and and
1: the reality is, uh, it is a job that 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 asks a lot. Uh, any any person that, that that lives and and works in in professional sport will tell you that there is a lot of investment. Uh, we, we don't use the word sacrifice because there's ultimately a return to that investment. So, but it is a it is a it is environment where one is able to build quality relationships. The relationships that you that you build are long lasting. It is a healthy environment, you know, which means there's personal benefits of this job. You know, we, we end up practicing what we preach, you know. So and we end up becoming lifelong athletes ourselves, and 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 that hasn't got a, a, a monetary value. So there's lots of perks built into this business, uh, but you have to be prepared to take the, the demands of it with you you know my experience has been the fact that if you are able to adjust yourself according to the other role players in the team because i am never the main ingredient i can never be the main ingredient what is vital for me to practice uh, what we refer to as ubuntu which is a simple african way of saying that my existence is dependent on your success uh, me being well is dependent on you being well and and i think team sports should all embrace that whole idea because there cannot be a single standout star in a team sport and you'll never see a team succeed because of a single individual in fact individuals right will rise to the top because of great teams so that is the one thing i've learned in this sport so we need to be able to as ryan holiday refers in his book uh ego the enemy is like we need to be able to kill ego you know um ultimately if i want to win the team needs to win And for the team needs to win, I have to help somebody else to win. It takes a lot of pressure off me, but at the same time, it adds a lot of pressure because your success is all resting on my input. That's what I enjoy. It's all about relationships. It's all about pushing the boundaries, staying current in terms of knowledge and enjoying every single day because it is
0: a privilege. And on the same note, how important are your words and language? Of course, Jimmy, you're not going to stand in front of a coach or a player with a textbook in hand and start quoting theory at them. You'd lose their interest in a matter of seconds, I guess. So how important is it to use words and language that enable you to relate to the players, to relate to the coaches in order to achieve some of the outcomes that you are looking for in your work? I think
1: communication is half art and half learned and crossing that la- that language barrier. I mean, we've got 11 official languages in, in South Africa. You know, um, we, we, we speak English as a, as a common language, but most people around can speak two or more languages. Um, By the other side, I think the common language is that which brings us together. Um, and that is a, a word that we that we pride ourselves on uh, at the Sharks, and that is being inclusive. So um, it means, um, it doesn't matter what the, the colour of your skin is, where you come from, your region, your country, uh, or your language, the fact that what makes us different is what actually makes us unique. And when you take talent and you are prepared to acknowledge what makes you different, when you create that new culture, right, you move towards winning. But in terms of the language, I think it's it's about connecting rugby players to owning their careers. Okay, so coming back to the training environment, my personal background is track and field, uh, both as an athlete and as a coach. It is a very absolute sport, you know, where everything is measured. So track athletes, uh, and perhaps the same message for golfers tennis and 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 all the other lonely sports is uh, there's a big amount of self investment um over or self funding for many years, so those athletes tend to own their careers and their performances personally. you know the coaches are very much in the background team sports are a little bit different, so I like to draw from that track and field world and I put that in this team sport environment to help players take on the idea of ownership. For them to develop as athletes and because of that for them to make good careers you know so in our environment the common joke is that i'm not seen as a strength conditioning coach i'm seen as the financial planner uh, my job really is to help them make good careers you know so uh, so my job will entail that which will
0: make an athlete better and because of that uh, they'll have successful careers that's a very important point to make and just going back to the coaches there for a second What are some of the questions that coaches like to ask you in a team environment? Uh, Well, the common one that we hear about five days a week is when will so-and-so be ready to play? That's a fair
1: question. If I was a coach, I would also ask those questions. But I I think sometimes uh, um, that good ideas and growth is lost in translation. So the ability to to connect with with coaching staff or with owners or with the CEO is to be able to speak a language that they understand. So a, a good example is, for example, if we have to decide whether a player should have surgery right away or whether it can be delayed. You know, so the type of injury where a player can still play. And there's a case for arguing in each direction. You know, a coach might feel that we are well covered in that position and a player should have his surgery sooner than later. Whereas the surgeon will say, well, you know, there's not good clinical grounds for doing that surgery straight away. So there's sometimes a little bit of tension between uh, what is medically the right decision for a player and what the expectation is of of the franchise. So um, I think um, a medical staff have to be good to communicate these these facts to to coaching staff and for for any other staff who who do not understand uh, the way medical decisions are being made. But we're very fortunate in the way that we are supported as a medical team. At the Sharks, in my time here, uh, we, we have never come under the fire for the decisions that we've made. We've never been expected to make decisions that were not the interest
0: of a player. So we're very fortunate. And what about the players, Jimmy? What sort of questions do they ask you? And when they ask those questions, do you see that as an opportunity to then educate them in their performance and how to look after themselves? Yeah,
1: from a player, you know, the first question is, when can I play golf again? You know, so uh, uh, my common answer is after you've played your first game, you know. So, but again, you know, I think there the question is to help a player with his journey of managing injury. That's the one thing I think we've become really good in. Uh, we've the, the combined age of our medical team, um, I think I worked at the ATO, it's about 75 years, you know. So, so we've got a, a really good and well-settled experienced medical team. We assist players to push hard in their in the rehab, we help them work towards returning when it's appropriate and at the same time helping them to be better you know to be fitter stronger faster than what they were when they got injured at the same time the sharks is focusing a lot on play development so we've got a completely different department focusing on helping players post career so we've got people involved where we plug players into business opportunities entrepreneurship programs so um, it's a very forward-thinking franchise when it comes to looking after the player as a human and not just as a as a player.
0: And what about you, Jimmy? If you reflect on your time with the Sharks, how do you feel that your role has enabled you to become a leader within the team, within the group? Um,
1: I think uh, the whole the whole idea around that is again, um, it's it's been privileged years gone by. You know, it was all about trusting somebody to to have faith in you and to. To take you on board, you know, um, based on promises or based on reputations, maybe rather. So, but time brings or time creates goodwill, you know, and and goodwill helps you when 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 you need when you need it. So, we are three or four CEOs down the line from when I started, and over time, you know, people see you for the value that you add, you know. So I never take it for granted. I I focus. Solely on the success of the Sharks, my, my life has been built around this franchise, um, and I am I'm grateful for the opportunities it's created for me. You know, so, so I owe it a, in a big way, and the only way I can repay that is to make sure that it has good succession. So going into the future, you know, with with players that understand, you know, what the business is about, players who sold out for the Sharks, because ultimately we will all exit the We'll all exit the business. It's about what is left behind when we leave and um, without being too philosophical about it, but it is really what it is. By keeping that perspective, uh, it helps you deal with the days that's not great. You know, it's the days when you haven't made a playoff or the days where you haven't won a championship, even if you think you should have. But at the same time, you know, it keeps you grounded for when you do win, you know, because in a long career in one single franchise, you're going to experience both and you need to be able to learn from what both, Experiences can offer you. Yeah, it's all about relationships. About taking everything with a pinch of salt,
0: and uh, it's about making, helping people make good memories. And perhaps with some of that in mind, if you could go back to your first day, day one at the Sharks, what advice would you give yourself? And um, the first bit of advice I would give myself was again
1: not to take myself so seriously. You know, because it is—I I will never say it's just a game. You know, the reality is it is a business of a game. So I respect the fact that it is somebody else's business. And so when I come to work, I like to think like that person. So I like to think like the guy, you know, who's invested in this franchise. I wouldn't want people to work in my business who don't think like that. So the advice I would give myself is to put myself in that person's shoes, but at the same time, you know, to to, to focus on every day, you know, at a time. And maybe perhaps one thing to do, uh, which I've learned over years, is to is to think how things can be like. You know, it's called The Art of Possibility. You know, uh, there's a guy who wrote a book, his name is Ben Zander, and uh, he wrote a book called The Art of Possibility. And the moment you, you exit the world of winning and losing, but you create this third reality, which is possibility, you have multiple potential answers. And if you drive yourself towards what things can be like, and you focus on the game that is totally winnable, which is the Monday to Friday game, we will learn more often. You know, we will focus more on people. We'll always tend to do the right thing more often than not. And we will win more often. So that is the advice I'll give myself, is to think possibility, to push harder. And even if i say pushing harder, pushing harder for the things that are important. That is what I would do. I would be more brave. But at the same time, I will be potentially more respectful, is maybe the right word, to understand why people think the way they do. You know, when you're much younger, it's very difficult when you're much younger, it's important to be right. uh, Whereas I think it's more important the way you make people feel, but that comes with time.
0: And how do you see the field of biokinetics evolving within sport within, say, the next five to 10 years? I think to stay abreast
1: and to push the envelope as far as the science is concerned is not negotiable, you know, so that sets the industry standard. But that is not going to help the industry. So for a biokineticist, or for a strength conditioning coach out in the industry in this type of business, just to do what you were taught to do and to do the things that you've been licensed to do. That's not going to make the business better. What is going to make the business better is to see your own influence, uh, which in effect is, is leadership. You know, So it, it is leading when you are not being made a leader, which is purely saying you need to have a positive influence on the environment around you. Um, it comes back to the whole idea of Ubuntu, you know, where you have to surrender your own personal ambition, if I, if I can use that word. So not as I should be ambitious, but I mean, you have to be clear of, of, of what you think your value in the environment is. And the key is, is that you will only transcend your natural abilities or learned abilities to making the environment successful if you focus on the people around you. So if you make people around you better, it's
0: going to go well. And it is a lot more enjoyable and I would say definitely worth the investment. I think that's a very suitable place to wrap things up. Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, John. Thanks for asking me.